We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast, the show about everything and nothing all at once. I'm your host, the one and only host of Loudmouth with small lips and a loud goddamn mouth. It's Madison Marie Hadler. Hello guys, how are we doing today? Do you like that intro a little bit better? It was a little more descriptive, a little more, a little little longer, you know? Um, Thought I would include all my basic taglines we got going for this show, but I hope you guys are doing great. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I hope you guys are doing great. On this episode, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Monica Johnson, and actually, we went to, um, like, K through, I think, sixth grade, or sixth or seventh grade. I forget when she left, um, our private school, but we actually went to, basically, elementary and middle school together, um, together in our lives. I don't know why I needed to explain that again, but yes. So I reached out to Monica and because she had made a post on her Facebook talking about Disability Pride Month. And as you'll learn in this episode, Monica has rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and that's her main diagnosis. And she was talking about in her post how she finally feels like she can, you know, celebrate disability pride because she's always felt like it wasn't a quote-unquote real disability because it's not visible and because people can't see it all the time. Um, And I reached out to her after seeing that post and really wanted her to just kind of like touch on that. And really this episode was supposed to go up during Disability Pride Month, but you know what? Things happen Um, and here we are and every day should be Disability Pride. So I'm excited for you guys to hear her story, hear about the advocacy behind disability work and just We talk about the Olympics with Simone Biles and mental health awareness and mental health disabilities. We talk about the Paralympics, um, ignorance, listening to people, all of the above. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. And it was nice to be able to catch up with Monica because we haven't talked in a couple years. You know, we follow each other on social media, but we haven't talked in a couple years. So it was so nice to be able to talk to her and learn a little bit more about her life and her diagnosis and as she says later on in the episode but she's actually a hairstylist and it's so crazy because she is one such a good hairstylist but also I mean deals with rheumatoid arthritis and already it being in pain and then also being a hairstylist which we know can cause pain on other levels so it's so amazing to hear how she does things a little bit differently and talk about how much she loves hairstyling and doing that work and how she wants to continue it and 
yeah, things like that. So I hope you guys enjoy and love her energy as much as I did. Um, I think that's all I have to say to preface this video. I will talk to you guys later. Enjoy. <laughs> My name's Monica. I go, I use she, her pronouns. 23. <laughs> I was like, wait, how old am I? <laughs> I do that all the time. 20, 23. Um, hairstylist from St. Louis. Born and raised still, you know, repping. <laughs> um, I grew up with Madison. <laughs> uh, oh, God. <laughs> You know, my Facebook I've, got hacked the other day. Like, I it? can't get back into it. And it stinks because all our pictures of, like, us being little are on I there. I feel like there's so many on Emily's. Yeah. I don't know. What else? I tell, Explaining yourself is always the hardest part of the yeah. bit, honestly. Um, yeah. Alrighty. Well, we we're going to do this episode during Disability Pride Month, but it's okay because year-round, you know? So yeah, it's all good. So we're just going to talk about my first question, I guess, is what is Disability Pride Month? What is that all about? I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but, you know, took a little bit more. So I think kind of like originally it started with the passing of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is 31 years old today. So I think it's been around for about that long. And it's Basically, just kind of to point out awareness of like all the different disabilities, how they affect daily life. Um, and, you know, just kind of reminding people that not everyone is living in the same world. So, yeah. And I think the reason why I specifically wanted to have you on is like during the month you had made a Facebook post before I got hacked, unfortunately. Mm. Go back and reference it. But, um, something that you said in there was <clears throat> it took you a little bit of time to, I'm going to probably butcher it a little bit, but feel no, a part fine. of the like disability pride almost because it's not as visible, I guess is the word I'm looking for. There. Yeah. So my like primary diagnosis is rheumatoid arthritis, um, which is, um, kind of like a systemic arthritis like it's not just like oh my hands swell or whatever it's top to tail <laughs> kind of thing and it doesn't just affect your joints like it's it affects your organs and everything and then I have you know with I feel like I should preface this with autoimmune stuff it's kind of like you don't just have one mm -hmm. your body is an autoimmune body and so thing things are going to be out of whack so I'm, yeah, my primary diagnosis mm -hmm. is rheumatoid arthritis. So you said that you had never like outwardly identified as, dis as disabled until like recently, like what kind of, well, why did you not do that before? When do you feel like you felt like you could say that or be a part of that group? I think honestly, like I've, especially on the internet, I've met more people 
my age Mm -hmm. with um, at least like similar diagnoses or however you pluralize it. (laughs) Um, You know, just kind of seeing the different stages and like how it affects every single person differently. That just kind of made me realize that like disabled is not just like one blanket statement. Like it's not just like one type of person. Um, And it's not like a bad thing. Yeah, just kind of realizing that I just because I don't look disabled 24 seven and that like I'm not walking around with a cane every day and I don't like park in a handicapped parking spot doesn't mean that like my physical ailments don't affect my day to day life. And I feel like that's kind of when you break down to the definition of disability, it means that you're having to adjust your way of life because of the way your body works, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's mental or physical. Um, You know, most disabilities aren't like visible, like blatantly, you know, that's why you're like, you never know what's going on in someone's life. You're Mm -hmm. not supposed to assume anything. So yeah, I think just when I realized that Disability doesn't look just one way. It can look a bunch of different ways. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that has in like recent years kind of been brought up and been challenged a lot more because I think a lot of it goes with like mental health awareness and things like that because Mm -hmm. it's like just because you're not in a wheelchair every single day does not mean that you're not affected by something in your body or there's not a hindrance there in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And it's kind of part of the process. You go through all the different stages of grief when you're diagnosed with something like this or, you know, anything out of the norm and just kind of like the whole acceptance of it and just being like, you know what, like, it's okay that like you have to do things a little differently to get the same result as other people. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to push yourself 10 times harder to be able to, or, you know, in order to achieve something that able-bodied people can, like you can take your own time and not everyone is going to do things the same way or achieve things in the same amount of time. Yeah. And just, it it gives you like freedom being like, okay, well, I got to stop holding myself to, um, you know, the ideals of, an able-bodied person mm-hmm. because I, that's setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Kind of. And I like what you said, like you have to like do things different ways and that's okay. Like yeah. not everyone is going to achieve goals in the same way and do the same, same things. And yeah, I feel like that's what a lot of able people, able-bodied people lack in understanding. Like just because you do it this one way doesn't mean everyone else is going to be able to do it in that one way. Mm-hmm. With the pandemic and this whole year, I guess we're going on two years. Yeah, hello. <laughs> just kind of realizing that some people live in their own little world and think that everyone lives life the exact same way that they do mm-hmm. and experiences the same things that they do and is given the same opportunities as they are. It's disheartening, but it's also people are 
becoming aware, I guess. Yeah. I do think that like with the pandemic and talking about immunocompromised like people and everything like that, do you think that some conversations have changed around disability in a positive or negative way or? Well, I feel like people are, I don't like to throw around the term ableist because, you know, that's, there are clear cut cases of people being ableist and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I feel like there's lots of people that don't take the time to realize what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been told just in the past couple, not the past couple years, the past year and a half or so, that like, oh, well, immunocompromised, like by people that I know, people that know me, know my diagnosis, or like, well, people that are immunocompromised should just like stay home, like just shouldn't go out. I'm like, um, no, <laughs> like they can't do the simple tasks that it takes to protect other people. Mm-hmm. Simple tasks that cause them no harm. It's just like common decency that could save the lives and even just improve the lives of the people around them that are immunocompromised. Um, You know, they don't take that into consideration when they say stuff like that. Um, Because as I, as we've acknowledged, it's been a year and a half. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Am I supposed to stay inside, not make money for a year and a half, not have a social life, you know, um, and I just feel like this whole year has just kind of exposed a lot of oh, the yeah. ableism that our society, especially Western society, mm-hmm. has, you know, towards people. Because in a, like what you said, like, are you not supposed to make money? Because then, you know, if you go on any kind of government help or anything like that, they're going to complain about okay. that, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's going on? It's- And I feel like probably about 50% of the people that say stuff like that aren't malicious. Mm -hmm. They aren't like, it's just off the cuff. It's not like, maybe they're not putting the most thought into it, but I don't think that they're hateful about it. Mm -hmm. I think if they were, you know, challenged and like someone brought up, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like these are human beings and like more than, 50% of the population has has some form of compromised immune system or whatever. Yeah. It's more uncommon to be perfectly healthy than it is to be, you know, sick. (laughs) Oh, well, the whole conversation around the vaccine and things like that, too, of the whole rhetoric of, well, with vaccines, like, I don't want my kid to be autistic or whatever it is, whatever that conversation is. Which is baseless and pointless. It's like, you'd rather have a dead kid than an autistic kid. Yeah. That's horrifying in so many ways. (laughs) I can't, I don't even know like what to say about that because that whole rhetoric was started off of nothing like there is no scientific backing to it whatsoever and also there's nothing wrong with being autistic so I don't I I don't know yeah it's like this fear that people have of of disabled people it's like this fear of different different people it is yeah it's it's I I it's just fear of being different fear 
of having to deal with something outside of your normal, your quote unquote normal life. Mm -hmm. And all that, all the only people who really see that and whatnot are those are your friends who are disabled and they see that fear and they're like, okay, so you think I'm, you know, wrong to be this way or whatever. And then they're always like, no, that's not what I mean. It's like, yeah. And I feel like the most recent is the whole Let's talk about the Olympics. Okay. And Let's talk what, about a, what a shit show. Like, just, I've been reading up on all of the different, basically, violations of, you know, how they're treating the, any sort of disabled Olympian. Mm-hmm. Simone Biles. Yeah. They're calling her a quitter. They're calling her lazy. Naomi Osaka, Mm -hmm. like for taking account of their mental health and, you know, and the fact is these are women of color that are taking a stand and making an example for younger women or Mm -hmm. for other women of color to, that it's okay to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's more than okay. That's like your main function in life is to take care of yourself. Yeah. That's it. You don't owe anyone anything except for, you know, self-preservation and the media and basically everyone that has no background or knows, uh, whatever no right to say anything yeah (laughs) those are the people that are just running their mouths and the fact is like yes they would Naomi and Simone will see all of this stuff Mm -hmm. but they're not gonna see like your grandpa posting it it's gonna be the you know your close family members that are gonna see this hateful shit that you're posting exactly actually like what they're doing resonates with them Mm mm-hmm and it's like the whole idea of like, well, you know, you should like, it's your job. You should have done it for your country. Like what kind of pride? And then they're over here, not getting vaccinated, not wearing their mask. And I'm what's like, your country? Yeah. What's your country doing for them? Like our country needs to be supporting these women who are making an amazing example. Yeah. Well, and there's been like a handful of Paralympians that have had to drop out because their needs are not being met. There was a swimmer for, I think the U S um, she's blind and, or she's deaf and losing her vision or the other way around. Like she's going, you know, mm-hmm. like losing two of her senses and is still like an amazing swimmer. Um, and they were not allowing her mother, who is her like assistant mm-hmm. and her, um, helper which they have allowed in the past Mm -hmm. each person gets one person with them they weren't allowing anyone to bring anyone they had one person for about 34 swimmers I think is what it said and she had to drop out she like they it's the Paralympics yeah like this is the Olympics that is made for people with disabilities and you're not going to provide assistance for them like you're not going to make it accessible to them yeah 
it's all for it's all for the show like we're inclusive and then when it actually comes down to giving or a lot like having these things that these people need they're like oh well never mind it's like what (laughs) that goes against everything you're trying to show it's just performative it's all performative it is there's a lot of that that's been going on so we kind of talked about like having this stigma with disabilities that aren't always visible and Mm -hmm. how like people can't wrap their hand around that have you ever like experienced something that kind of like showed that after your diagnosis and everything like oh yeah I um for the most like I have a cane that I don't use in public like I don't usually if I'm like flaring up I stay home Mm -hmm. which sucks but um I'm not blatantly telling someone constantly reminding people that I'm in pain which Mm -hmm. sucks by the way like I don't want to be like whiny yeah yeah (laughs) you know like I'm not gonna I don't I don't feel the need to tell people constantly that I'm in pain I don't Mm -hmm. feel like that that should I should have to do that for my pain to be valid I feel like people just need to like when I'm saying like I'm not doing great I don't need to hear oh but you seemed fine last week Mm, like okay and today is today so (laughs) well and it's also like what do you want me to do right than pain and just because I'm not blatantly telling you yes I am in pain that doesn't mean that like I'm not experiencing it yeah so for I just feel like people need to trust that people with invisible disabilities are not exaggerating yeah they're not you know embellishing on their pain just because you can't see it or you haven't seen it building up when they say they're not feeling okay just say okay what do you need whatever it is like yeah that's just that's just kind of like the most frequent thing it's like Mm -hmm. oh you you seem fine a few days ago or you seem to be doing good you know like just because I'm not like miserable looking yeah (laughs) just because you're not outwardly saying it and like yeah that's yeah that puts a burden on you to feel like you have to say it out loud for people to validate that pain like that's when were you diagnosed oh my god it was right after oh my god that's funny story (laughs) (laughs) funny (laughs) um I had just done 11 months of hair school and got certified for a job where I will be on my feet all day, every day, yeah. using my hands. A month, no, not even not even a month after I passed all my boards and everything. I got my license. I was getting blood work and like I was trying to figure out what was wrong. I was have in like this, what I would soon find out was like a few months long flare mm. where I was just kind of doing awful. 2017. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was a year after I graduated high school. Okay. I can't keep track. That's okay. Time's irrelevant. I can't believe it was that long ago. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a while. Um, and you know, my diagnosis has changed a little bit after mm-hmm. bl- more blood work, more scans, yada, yada, yada. I was first diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis, which is a little bit different. Um, and then about a year, not even a year after it, I revised that. Yeah. So having a job where you're on your feet a lot. How does that affect 
I'm oh it sucks yeah <laughs> like I love I it what sucks the most is I love my job yeah I lo- like I love my job and you know I wish I could work more I work about four days a week right now mm-hmm. um which you know I'm surviving off of it mm-hmm. um but like I can't work more than like I have about five to six good hours in a day uh-huh. and then I'm like okay I'm ready for bed yeah um yeah I think the worst part is that I really like my job yeah <laughs> you know you wouldn't want to keep yeah. doing it like yeah so yeah. so how I do you know. what kind of things do you have to like work around in order to continue doing this like what kind of what are those, you know, different ways, those innovative ways that you have to? I mean, I think I will definitely not to sound like depressing or whatever. I'll be down to part time in the next 10 years. Mm. You know, hairstylists retire early anyways, because mm-hmm. of how hard it like perfectly healthy people retire doing hair mm-hmm. in their 50s and perfectly healthy hairstylists end up getting like carpal tunnel surgery and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um so I think that my actual goal is to I'd rather do it just a little bit than do Mm -hmm. it not at all Mm -hmm. so realistically I'd like to find like another part-time job that's like super easy on my body and like maybe something I can do from home and then work like weekends or something yeah so I can still do hair still have all my clients still be able to do what I love but not like ruin my body overwork yourself yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. I mean Uh, yeah and I I think it can happen yeah. yeah so whenever you were in school what kind of made you like seek out um like getting a diagnosis or going to the doctor, like what kind of things are happening that made you realize, oh, say something's not totally okay up here. <laughs> so 2014, I got mono. Okay. Which was like my, <laughs> do you, do you watch um, Marvel anything? I watched some Marvel things. Yeah. Did you watch Loki? Um, my roommate is, so I've seen some of it, but I haven't. I was going to say, uh, mono was my Nexus event, but so basically like that was kind of like where my life changed. Mm -hmm. Um, I got mono and like, I didn't get better. Mono's Mm -hmm. like a month long, whatever. And it like, I stopped testing positive for it, but like, I didn't feel better. Uh And like, I was sleeping like 14 hours a day. I, my first semester of my junior year of high school, I was doing half days for almost the whole semester. Oh my gosh. Um, because I just like had zero energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, I started feeling a little bit better. Um, and, you know, going to school full time, but then I started going to hair school right after I graduated and I, there's concrete floors, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's concrete floors. I'm standing on my feet and hair school is, well, I did full time. So it was Monday through Friday, nine to five. It was a full-time job <laughs> um, on my feet. 
And I just like started feeling the same way again, Mm. feeling like I had mono. And then my back started hurting. Mm. That was kind of like my first thing was I would get this inflammation in my back that would pinch a nerve and like I could not get up. Yeah. Like the inflammation was so bad it would pinch a nerve and I Mm. would have to like lay down flat and like, you know, basically act like a 50 year old man. (laughs) And, you know, yeah. So that was kind of, I was like, this sucks. And then I actually went to my chiropractor. My Mm -hmm. chiropractor is the one that sent me to a rheumatologist, not like my physician or whatever. Mm -hmm. I went to my chiropractor. I was like, I need adjusted or something. And she's like, you should not be swelling from this. You should not be reacting this way to what I'm doing. Yada, yada, yada. You need to like go get some blood work done. So I did. And then, you know, the rest is history. The rest is history. (laughs) So can you explain a little bit about what rheumatoid arthritis is, like how it affects, I mean, I'm sure it's different for many people, but like how it kind of affects the body. Yeah. Um, so it's an inflammatory autoimmune disease. So it does affect everyone differently. I experienced like, obviously a lot of swelling and pain in my joints, Mm -hmm. but I also have some issues with like my organs. (laughs) Um, you know, it causes inflammation, um, in all of my organs, which, you know, can feel like either I have like appendicitis Mm -hmm. or like a kidney infection. It's just like all inflammation. I actually went vegetarian because of it. I haven't eaten meat in over two years. How does that? Um, So red meat, red meat, especially like I actually was hospitalized because of um I what's the word I had inflammation in my colon and then like my small intestine and stuff like that because um of red meat and they were worried about like ulcerative colitis and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but I literally immediately stopped eating meat and that like got a lot better yeah and I'm not saying that's for every, I'm not preaching to stop eating meat. I'm saying it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Might not work for you. Whatever. I'm yeah. not one of those people that's like, stop eating meat. Stop eating. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's good for the environment. But, but <laughs> I guess talking more about like disabilities as a whole, what kind of, I mean, I feel like it's not an easy question by any means, but it's kind of like a simple question. What kind of discriminations do disabled people face? Like what are the kind of things that you see on your day-to-day life that you're like, well, okay, that's for able-bodied people, not necessarily for disabled people. Honestly, like, I think that I'm just more aware of the accessibility and everything. First of all, I live in South City, mm-hmm. St. Louis where our sidewalks are, I can't even, they're just horrible. Horrible. They're horrible. I love all the trees on my street, Mm -hmm. but every single sidewalk is just crumbled because of the roots Mm. and they're not accessible whatsoever. Like just if, even if I'm having a bad pain day, like I have, trouble with them Mm -hmm. let alone someone with a cane with a walker with a wheelchair like they're screwed yeah 
And that's in you, like, I just know that that's not something that anyone in the city is city planning or whatever is taking into consideration. Yeah. Um, and you know, I see people parking like assholes and handicapped parking constantly, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's everything. Yeah. The world is not built for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just did an episode a couple weeks ago about um, anti-fat fi- bias and fat phobia too. Mm-hmm. I feel like all of it just kind of like goes into. It all goes. Literally, if you are not a wealthy, cis, white man, mm-hmm. the world is not built for you. Yeah. And I don't mean that against the like cis white men this is not hating on them I you know boyfriend is a cis white (laughs) man and he's amazing he's wonderful this is not because the majority of those men did not build this world yeah you know yeah and um if you're not one of those people life's a little bit harder Mm mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And, you know, I find that with women and other people will choose the side of, you know, the patriarchy because it's the winning side. Mm -hmm. They think it'll make their lives easier, which as awful as that is, can you fault them? So I actually have a question kind of goes off the path a little bit, but I... And you may not know the answer, but it just kind of popped in my head. So um, I was reading like facts on migraines because I get mm-hmm. a lot of migraines all the time. And mm-hmm. I know that a lot of women suffer from migraines like extensively more than men do, but mm-hmm. women don't usually seek treatment for them. They usually just kind of let it go and try to solve it on their own. Do you? Mm-hmm. You think that kind of like, obviously not with migraines, but with disabilities, do you find that that kind of like correlates like with 100%. And I just like want to point out that I am extremely privileged. Mm -hmm. I am still on my father's insurance. I am white. Mm -hmm. I am just a step above poverty. Mm -hmm. So I'm listened to a little bit more. Mm -hmm. If you take five seconds to look at the statistics of, especially women in color, Mm -hmm. the preventable deaths in a medical setting, in childbirth, in anything, women are so dismissed. And it started with basically, you know, like hysteria Mm -hmm. was, you know, the favorite term. And now it's just like, oh, it's just your hormones. Oh, it's just, I was told that it was my birth control that was caught, like, (laughs) yeah, I was told all sorts of stuff because, you know, like I've suffered from depression and stuff and they're Mm like, oh, well, like it could be that. I'm like, no, No. I'm in physical pain. (laughs) And I, but I do think that it's like important to acknowledge that like women of color are treated the worst Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the medical world and it makes it hard to trust what doctors say mm-hmm. um I mean that's so like true because obviously women most of the time don't 
not most of the time, but usually don't go out and seek medical help right away. Mm-hmm. They usually kind of push it back, push it down, try and take yeah. care of themselves because they don't. It's feel exhausting bad. going through the medical process because you have to jump through so many more hoops and like get through so much more red tape to just get a simple answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then women of Which color, cost especially more. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Our medical system doesn't make it easy to do it. And it makes it especially more cost costly costly yeah i guess and then more inefficient and time consuming and a lot of people have to work so they can't go to doctor's appointments all the time and try to figure out what's wrong or just all the barriers yeah. like it all kind of it's all intersectional intersectionality is what yeah every problem has five other problems when you pile on top sexism racism everything like that doctors just don't believe women no one believes women <laughs> when they say anything which let's talk about periods. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about them because as women, we're just taught to ignore our pain and that period pain is to be normalized and can't mm-hmm. be that bad because yes. every, everyone that experiences a period mm-hmm. experiences it differently, but people just assume that it's not that bad because so many people. Yeah go through it. Um, you know, I know people that have, you know, missed school because their periods are so bad that they are fainting, Mm -hmm. that they are throwing up and, you know, that gets dismissed so easily. Yeah. Just because, yeah, you know, for no reason. Yeah. And I think what you're saying, like ev- everyone experiences it. So it can't be that bad. Like, yeah. Like, okay, no, like, <laughs> but I think that's true. And I think that um, rhetoric probably fades into other pain that women feel because they're like, okay, well, if like I'm being told that my period pain isn't you know, important or needs, needs help or whatever it is, like this other pain that I'm feeling probably isn't going to be taken seriously either. So yeah kind of just all is like internalized in that way for sure going on a little bit but what kind of what are some things that non-disabled people can do to advocate for those with disabilities or what are some things that you know you would love to see or love people to do more I think just listening to them (laughs) yeah you know listen to people and believe them and trust that they know their body more than you. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, if people just stopped and actually listened and acknowledged them and, and, you know, tried to put themselves in their shoes, then the world would be a little bit more livable. Yeah. And it's like the easiest thing you can do is to listen and learn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not asking. But, and I feel like that can be applied to literally everything. Oh yeah. Any sort of discrimination. If you just like kind of stop and listen and put aside your bias, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot can be achieved. But unfortunately, I feel like that's just not how most people view life. Well, and I find it especially with like social media and things like that. Like, okay, maybe you're 
immediate circle isn't filled with, you know, these other communities, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. you stick to your white, cis, able-bodied people, but with social media, you can extend the messages that you're getting. Like you can follow black people, you can follow black women, you can follow people yeah. with disabilities. And that's, a, yeah, just, that's a good point. Just follow people that are different from you, expand your circle, expand your experience. Um, you know, my favorite quote that I don't even know who said <laughs> it, but it's, in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. Mm. We have the world at our fingertips. We have every sort of knowledge, every sort of view, every sort of opinion, like that you can access within seconds. Yep. And so you choosing not to give a shit and not to actively seek an education on how other people experience life is um laziness mm-hmm. and I actually kind of got into a quarrel with oh. about this. it was fine <laughs> but it's just like I I'm not afraid to call those people lazy mm-hmm. it's lazy and it's selfish and I'm sick of the excuse oh well I was raised this way okay <laughs> I was raised in white suburban Missouri but (laughs) I give a shit about other people I actively I'm not perfect I don't say everything the right way I don't do everything perfectly I don't know everything about everything but if someone is willing to share that information with me and be vulnerable with me Mm -hmm. I'm gonna sit down and listen to them and acknowledge like my past bias and work to improve that and that's all you can ask of people just because you were shitty in the past yeah doesn't mean you have to continue to be that way and doesn't mean that you're stuck on that path of treating people poorly yeah you have to look at it in like okay they're teaching you something like okay yeah you maybe you didn't know that before and that's okay but if they're teaching it like take the information when they're extending that information to you like you made a mistake acknowledge the mistake that you made apologize, learn from it, learn from these people that are teaching you and go on. Yeah. Obviously there are things that like, you know, should be canceled or whatever there. Yeah. But be like, okay, this is why that's a problem and let's fix it. Yeah. And adjust. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, following those people of those communities that you're not a part of listening to them. That's the biggest thing, like listening to them. Listen, yeah, listening to them when they're volunteering information, like you don't need, you shouldn't go around and be like, okay, you're a person of color, please give me the entire history and the entire anthology of Mm -hmm. like how you've been discriminated. It should be, okay, let me listen to what you're volunteering, what you're saying, your experience, Mm -hmm. and then let me go research and do further education. Mm -hmm. Like they don't owe you the explanation of how they've been mistreated and how they've been, you know, yeah, whatever. I, yeah. yeah. Well, and like, um, this is my, like, I'm sick of it face. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like, okay. So what message would you like to leave here today to tell those, to tell able-bodied people, people who don't understand disabilities, what kind of message would you like to leave to them to end this 
beautiful episode and talk about, make them think. <laughs> Listen, step outside of your own little box, your own little world of privilege and um listen to people and trust that people know their own bodies and know their own experience more than you do Mm -hmm. that's it there is okay so one thing that I always feel like people don't know about that should be talked about more um is the fact that people with disabilities when they get married What's yeah, that? if you're on any sort of disability insurance or disability assistance in America, if your partner makes over a certain amount of money, you lose your disability, mm-hmm. like assistance. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the exact number is, but if you make over, I think it might be like 40 or 50 not a lot not enough not a lot. for two people yeah not enough for two people in america to survive off of um if your partner makes more than that then you are more than likely gonna lose your disability like i think you can um you know appeal that mm-hmm. and go through you know the extra couple thousands of dollars of lawsuits and our hours and hours of work mm-hmm and energy to try to appeal that but yeah yeah I think not enough people know that at all and that is shocking to me because that's disgusting (laughs) it's not great I'll be honest um you know like I'm not on any sort of disability assistance at the moment Mm -hmm. because I am you know, financially supporting myself, mm-hmm. but it's a possibility in the future. I've even like started talking about filling out the paperwork because it can take years to get approved. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a client who is disabled and the dis- she has caught the disability insurance people following her because they tried to prove that you're not disabled, which goes back to like just the whole invisible disability thing. Oh my God. And that's not like the first time I've heard something like that. So just to try and not allow her to be- To prove she doesn't need it, yeah. So they're gonna spend the time, money, and energy to do that. Mm -hmm. To do that. I -hmm. love, that's so cute. Love that. So cute for our government. Mm, So cute. So So is that? But it's like a court thing. It's not just like you have to like go through a judge to do it. I bet all they ask. I don't know all the details. Be vulnerable and show so much paperwork and literally. It's basically like you have to have years of. It's the same thing I have to do with like my health insurance Mm -hmm. in order to get the medicine I'm on now. I had to go through other medicines and prove that they didn't work for my insurance. So I basically had to be a guinea pig for like a year and a half on just random shit that destroyed my body. Yeah. Before I could get approved for the medicine that I'm on. And God, in (laughs) order for my insurance to cover it, I have to go get a checkup every three months which is a minimum of $75 Mm -hmm. 
because that's my copay after insurance. So I have to pay $75 every three months, plus whatever my blood work costs, just in order for my insurance to cover the medicine. medicine. Cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. So awesome. Like it's there, there's, there's a reason why you see so many disabled people on the corner asking for money and homeless, like the, the population of unhoused disabled people, whether it be physically or mentally is astronomical. And it is purely because of our healthcare system. Yep. Yep. And that's why when you deal with like, again, it's all, it all goes together. It's like when you deal with homelessness, you're dealing with disabilities, you're dealing with all these other things that go. It's all systemic. Everything is systemic. Everything is coming from how we're going back to how the world's built for wealthy white cis men. Mm -hmm. You are systemically at a disadvantage if you are not one of those people, whether you are, you can still be wealthy, disabled person of color, and you Mm -hmm. are still fighting 10 more battles than Mm -hmm. like a wealthy cis white man. Yeah. Just because you're in the same place, like you worked harder to get there. Yeah. There's a book that I was reading and it said like, um, it's like a game of baseball, like in white people just start out on, you know, second base or start out already on the field. And it's like Mm -hmm. to get to the same place, other people have to work 10 times harder to get to you know, I've had this conversation with people in my life. They're like, okay, well, I am white and I'm a man and I still grew up in poverty. I'm like, but you didn't grow up in poverty because of your race or because Mm -hmm. of your gender. Yeah. That doesn't negate from the struggles that you've had. That doesn't Mm -hmm. negate from all of the other things. Just because you are privileged in one way does not mean that you did not have a hard life. It doesn't Mm -hmm. take away from that. That It just means that your hard life was like that for other extenuating circumstances, not based off of your skin tone. Yeah. This is a really fun, we're, this is a really chipper conversation. (laughs) It's just, we have to all understand that our country and our government and our healthcare system is all fucked up. And yeah, unfortunately it takes people who experience it to fight for it. That's probably been the biggest problem in the past year and a half with all of the protests, with all of the vaccines and wearing a mask. It's about whether or not you are empathetic or even sympathy for people that aren't the exact same as you. Mm -hmm. It's about using what you have to help other people especially if it comes at no cost to you. That's the thing is I can understand if you're not willing, like if you don't have money to donate to mutual funds, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can take 10 seconds to repost something that costs you no money, costs you no anything. You can still be a part of the change without giving, even giving up your time or giving Mm -hmm. up anything financial. You can literally do stuff at no cost to you to help other people. And the fact that you don't Mm -hmm. is the problem. Yeah. It's just Uh, stepping outside of your world. When our human, human rights should not be a political thing, mm -mm. you know, anything like that. And my safety is not a 
political thing. My physical health is not a political thing. Um, you know, it's the people there's, there are people that are turning the vaccine and stuff into a political issue when it's not. Mm -hmm. Go get fucking vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. That's it. That's all I have to say. Um, Go get vaccinated. Listen to someone for literally give someone five minutes of your time. (laughs) That's it. Do some research on your own. Your ignorance is your choice. It's Mm -hmm. not how you were raised. If you are over the age of 15, you can, you can form your own opinions. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, yeah, thanks for having good. me on. Yeah, so I'll let you know when I post it and everything. And yeah, fun, fun. Sweet. All right. Fun, well, I'll fun. talk to you later. Have a good rest of your day. All right. Thanks. Be safe out there. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Okay, you guys, how much did you enjoy that episode? <laughs> I know we went on a lot of tangents, but obviously I feel like that's almost how every episode goes because it all just intertwines. And as we talked about, it's all intersectional. It's all systemic. It all works together in some way, shape or form in this country we call the United States. So I hope that you guys learned a little bit more about what people with disabilities go through. We learned a little bit more about how to be better advocates and to just listen, which is the easiest thing we can do. I'm going to provide some people in, to follow down in the notes. I'm also going to provide where to follow Monica because I realized after editing that I had cut out the part where she put all of her social media. So you can follow her on Instagram at Monica Grace Hair. Um, her name is Monica Johnson. I'll make sure to put her links down below so that you guys can go look her. And if you're look at her, go follow her. What did I just say? And If you are in the St. Louis area and you need to get your hair done, go hit up a girl. Monica, not me. Um, You know me. I'm not so great with hair. But (laughs) if you you need a hairstylist, go hit her up. Um, I hope you guys learned a little bit more. I'm also going to provide some resources down below of accounts that you can follow that talks about disability, disability pride, and read up a little bit on it. You know, the only way we can be better advocates is by educating ourselves. And that means following people within the community, but not like Monica kind of talks about, not begging them to answer all your questions for them because they already have to go through so much and they already have to relive trauma, re-experience it every day and just make people believe that they're disabled if it's not a visible disability. And we don't need to be coming in trying to ask them a bunch of questions that we can easily go Google. So Google that shit, look it up. I'm going to provide some links and resources for you down below to be a little more educated on the topics. Um, make sure you follow me at loudmouthpod on Instagram, at loudmouth underscore pod on Twitter. I have merch. Make sure you go get it down in the bio. Please follow, subscribe, give us five stars on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to this right now. Um, yeah. I love you guys. Thank you guys for listening and continue to listen to people with disabilities, continue to listen to minorities, Um, and let's use our mouths to be loud, babies. Um, I love you guys. I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. Bye.